Hey guys, welcome back to the Manology Project Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin. I am sitting here with one of the great pastors in the metropolitan Detroit area out in Novi, Michigan, Mr. Pastor Jamie. I want to say that this is my pastor. Uh, I have the privilege and the honor to be able to sit next to him and to just dive into uh, some little dialogue around. We're going to be talking about a little what the pandemic has done. Yes. For us and our men, yes. and the ministry that we have here. And then also talk about uh, the racism that has been going right. on uh, based on because our church is so diverse. Correct. Uh, yep. So I really wanted to just kind of open up a forum or a platform for you to be able to just to kind of yeah. share, uh, you know, how did you take that all in? So yeah, first of all, yeah. before we even get in that, I want you just to kind of. Give a little background about yourself. Okay, great. So, by the way, Quentin, thanks for you and Melissa being part of Brightmore family. Yes. And you guys have been coming, I think, to the church for about three or four years now. Yes, three and a half. Okay, I knew it was it, somewhere it kind of quick. around there. And it, yeah, time flies when you're having <laughs> yes. fun. So, yes. um, it's an honor to be able to sit here with you on your podcast. And congratulations you on your ministry that you do and thank the you, influence you. that you're having on couples and thank you, thank um, you. also um, what you're doing for the kingdom of God. So, thank that's to be applauded, thank you, thank you know, you. good stuff and things like that. So I, I've been pastoring Brightmore for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I came here in 2005, and um, I come from a single-parent family. My mom and dad divorced when I was about 12 years old. I was raised in a military family, mm-hmm. so we moved around a lot when I was a kid, um, you know, from Texas to Puerto Rico to actually Oscoda, Michigan at one time when I was a little child. Man, you're all over. And I'm all over. <laughs> and... Um, uh, did primarily, uh, you know, middle school and high school in Louisiana. My dad was stationed at Barksdale Air oh, Force okay. Base. Nice. And um, so it was there that, you know, I kind of grew up. Got I got called into the ministry when I was 20. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I mean, we believed in God. Mm-hmm. I say we were priesters. Right. We, we went to church on Christmas and Easter. Easter. Yes. And, uh, you know, so, but the Lord got a hold of me, ambushed me when I was 20 years old. I was attending Louisiana State University, which, by the way, go to. Tigers. <laughs> Want to throw that out there? Right. Number one team in the nation right, right now. So, <laughs> um, but uh, so went off to Bible college, seminary, got a master's degree um, at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, mm-hmm. and had been doing ministry for about the last thirty years. So came to Brightmore in two thousand and five. Two thousand and five. Yep. So been here uh, fifteen years. October will be fifteen. That it, is so crazy. I must crazy. say that uh, you are a very you are a dynamic uh, pastor. Okay. Uh, I do want to say that. A very hilarious. Okay. You, you so I can throw some jokes into so the you podcast? Can throw some jokes. Okay, you, I can, just, you can lie okay. belly up, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. you can totally be yourself uh, because I really enjoy uh, the, but one of the things that actually brought me and my wife here. Yes. And, uh, and after uh, the church where we are before, we were there for like 28 years, mm. roughly mm. around there. Yeah. I, start, I was going there when I was about 15. Okay. Um, it's family uh, church. Uh, but what drew us here was uh, the praise and worship. Okay. Pastor Darlene is the bomb. Yes. I want to say that, everybody. Pastor Darlene is the bomb. Yep. Uh, but second, it was so diverse. Yes. Uh, the diversity was just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the, of the, the, the different cultures that resided here at this ministry. Um, and then after about a year and a half, um, some of that police brutality was going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember you got up. 
mm. on a Sunday, cut the live feed off, and then you addressed mm. us. Yeah. Which I thought was phenomenal for you to, to, I mean, I think that happened like over the weekend. Yeah. You didn't waste any time yeah. addressing mm-hmm. uh, such, a, such a situation that could be touch or go. Right. Uh, you know, being a white pastor and then addressing uh, something on uh, on the on a black scale of mm-hmm. police brutality. But to be able to stand up there with courage and to be able yeah. to speak and speak boldly, I thought that that was awesome. I thought that that took a lot of courage uh, because a lot of pastors that I've known over the years. Yes. Uh, they tiptoe around it. So right. to see you take it on. Yeah. You know, uh, so what are your thoughts around yeah, having to handle situations like that yeah. in a diverse setting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's very tricky, just to be honest with you. Um, but I look at my higher calling as a watchman on the wall. And so that's kind of the position that we take that if we don't have courageous conversations or if right. we're not addressing these issues, mm-hmm. then um, I think we're doing a disservice to our church family. Right. And, um, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm an expert, I feel, in the Bible, right. okay? But I'm not an expert <laughs> on, you know, right. COVID-19 pastoring right. or, you know, <laughs> right. racial tension in America. Know. You know, I'm on a journey learning like a lot uh, of people yes. are right now. Yeah. And um, But we have to be able to do it. The Apostle Paul, you know, clearly told us that one of the signs of the last days will be that people will call good evil and And evil evil good good, and that people will long for teachers that will tickle their ears and only really tell them you know nice things and things that they want to hear and um, that does not grow anybody that's how I view it that does not help anybody I have to have uh, tough conversations in parenting with my children so at times it takes that um, even in the church family now that's not by the way it's not every week. I don't get up. I don't get up there and try to, <laughs> right. you know, speak on these issues every week and things right, like right. that. But they're, they're right. definitely, when yeah. the time comes, right. uh, pastors have to have the courage because if the pulpits of America are silent, then who's going to speak out for these things? Exactly. Who's going to hold the plumb line? Who's going right. to hold the things for righteousness? Right. And so, not so when I look at your background, yeah. Um, so, were you always pastoring a diverse setting, or no? No, I, you find that, yes, you, that's exactly right. This is really, my last church in Pennsylvania was primarily white. It was 95% white. I mean, it was just a few, uh, (laughs) slid of the population of African Americans. And I mean, we came to Metro Detroit, which is a very diverse area. And we love that. And all of a sudden, you know, there was already some diversity here at Brightmore yes. when we came. I, I'm not going to claim the credit that right. it all happened, you know, right. with Under us here. Right. right. Um, but wow, we've exploded in this. And, you know, we look around on a Sunday morning and we hear people say, you know, the 11 o'clock hour is the most segregated hour in America, but not right. on the corner no. of M5 and 13 Mile. Listen, did y'all hear that? 11 Mile. Yeah. I mean, uh, 13 Mile and 13 M5. Mile and M5, guys. Yes. Yes. And so our. Church family, we would figure is um, probably 40% African-American, 40% white, and we would probably say 20% other. And the other would represent Latin Americans, uh, people from Asia, Asia, you know, India, Middle Eastern. Um, A lot of Romanians are here, too, as well, and 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 Hungarians. And so the Middle Eastern threw me. 
Yeah. Like when I came in and saw such a heavy population of Christians who love God, who praise God, who worship God, yeah. who love people. Yes. But from the Middle East. Yes. That was phenomenal. Yes. Uh, that in Indian. Yes. Like true India. Yeah, from India. From India. Matter of fact, I, you know, this Sunday, mm-hmm. we actually had an individual that moved here from Colorado, knows nobody in all of Metro Detroit, found us on social media, decided to show up, and he sits next to um, our new young adult pastor, Pastor Eric and the Diamond, and they get to know him, and he's from India, nice. uh, came here to be educated, now he's working in some field here in the Detroit area, That's but nice. he found us on social media, and I told him about I Am India, which was the last yes. year when yes. we did five mission trips, right. you know into the nation of India and that. Yeah. So. so I like that. But I, uh, so on this podcast, we yeah. talk about, uh, it's all about building up men yes. uh, and strengthening our young men to understand yes. their uh, three things, which is value, their identity, and then their purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been touching on value and identity for the last few podcasts. Okay. Uh, so I would, I'm glad that you sat down with me because this is this episode would be based on purpose. Yes. Um, and it's really good that I was hoping that you told me you didn't come from a diverse background. Yeah. Because I wanted to stamp this as a purpose, uh, purpose field episode, which yes. is you were purposed to pastor over a Correct. diverse uh, setting as yep. this. Uh, so just, um, just kind of uh, walk us through. Well, I'll just start with this. So what would you say the state or the position of the church in regards to racism is concerned? And that's a that's at the forefront. And, yeah. you know, for a long time, um, I know one of the things that, um, as I said, I'm not an expert. Right. I'm learning. Right. And actually, when I came here, Quentin, um, and I would encourage pastors and everybody to, to learn people's history, yes. culture, and background. I agree. And um, I had become a student of the Romanians and Hungarians because they have a certain cultural background, okay. um, the Latin Americans, the Asians. And yes. I was very purposeful. I actually um, did not come from a diverse church. So I actually had a wonderful couple, Bobby and Harold Timps, and mm-hmm. they came into my office. And I literally sat down and just said if I say anything offensive please come and tell me because I'm, I might not know that I'm doing it and and right. let me just throw this out do I refer to you as black or African-American what right. is the proper terminology because I don't want to get up there yes. and I don't want people to say well you know he just doesn't know right. I want to be a, a, a student Yes. of study, a student of learning. And the church has a ways to go on this. You know, yes, the church yes. has been silent on racism. And one yes. of the things that I have learned <laughs> is that um, this is really where the Lord rocked me, I think, especially with all the things that we've been going through, the George Floyd yes. and all of these that are current issues, current issues. that is I've, exposing right. a lot of things that are in the church. So I was listening to Andy Stanley, and he had a sermon that he preached on, and he talked about the difference between being um, a non-racist and being anti-racist. And I think for the longest time, (laughs) I was leading our church in the fact that I would say we're not a racist church at all, okay? Why? Look around. We have diversity. We got diversity on our deacon board, elected officials. We have diversity in directors and leaders in our church. So so we're not a racist church. I mean, I love black people. You right. know what I'm saying? It would be like <laughs> right, that. Right. In your mind, that's how you're playing but it in out. my mind. But we weren't an anti-racist church. Right. 
And that's where we got to make the difference. shift. And that's what makes people uncomfortable because what does that now look like? That means that yes. we have to speak up far right. more often. And when we see things like systemic racism and we learned about redlining and we learned about right. the Jim Crow laws and right. all of those things, man, there's a heavy history that we carry behind us and we have to learn from that history right. to be able to make the changes that are here right now. Right. I and think that's really good. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just mm -hmm. wanted to kind of touch, before you moved on, I wanted to touch on just the knowledge based. And what most people have to understand is that ignorance uh, can only be eliminated through knowledge. That's correct. And understanding. That's correct. You can't do, you can march, you can, you can burn a city, you can do all that, and people will still be ignorant because ignorance can only be eliminated That's through correct. knowledge and understanding. So it really, and you know, like you guys saw that this is why I have him on here because not only does he address these things, but to be a student, to want to know. Correct. Because if you don't know, that's right. You can't lead without knowledge. <laughs> you can't. Lead and when and, and when half your church family is African American, how can I lead them to the best of my ability if I don't understand cultural perspectives and that? So I, like I talk that. to black yes. pastors in our area too as well. I'm good friends with. Oh, that's good. I was going to ask. Yeah, about I do. That. Yeah. So I talk to people like Chris Brooks, and um, every other week we're um, on a Zoom call with local pastors. Um, it can range anywhere from about 15 to one time we had 75 on a phone call That's really uh, that good. was there. And so the local pastors are talking to one another. Like I talk, you know, Edgar Van of Second Ebenezer's Lisa, yes. on there. And, uh, you know, Chris Brooks is on there. I wrote down a couple of people's names that are there. Solomon James is on there. Different nice. ones that I just love. Sonny Smith at Detroit Church. Yeah. And so we're learning from one another and the churches are talking. And that's a beautiful thing for the that's... longest time. I, I don't think we realized we were on the same team. And we're on the same team. Well, they said that, you know, I mean, that old, old saying is that one of the most segregated days yeah. would be Sunday yes. morning, which is yes. unbelievable that we all serve one loving, <laughs> yes, emphasis on loving God yeah. who, who literally embodies everyone, yeah. but yet we serve him very separately, very differently mm -hmm. through our ideology, through mm -hmm. our theology. Everything is still has its own separate situation yeah. of the way we process stuff yeah. and that is like a crazy thing i'm sure god looks at us and goes guys yeah like really i yes you are black whites indian uh, you guys are that but listen when you're serving me right all that stuff actually doesn't matter because i don't even see that i, mm. I see only you as my child or my mm -hmm. son through holiness so right. uh but i do like um that the fact that you have embodied sitting and talking with other pastors yes uh locally uh, not only just black, but white, other white church um, pastors, or even if it's a Latin American, wh whoever it is that we can actually break down that barrier uh, that has now segregated the ministry of Christ. Uh, mm. So I do applaud you on that. I'm happy that you said that. That's Thank really you. good. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, uh, so I, I'm gonna ask this on uh, just a spinoff on that one. Though. So yeah. what should our impact be for the world to see? So you 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 started with the sitting down with those other pastors. Yes. And then where do we go from there? Yeah. So, um, you know, we need to lock arms together. Um, I look at it this way. How many churches are in Detroit? You know, like how many churches do we have in the metropolitan Detroit? I learned oh. this. I learned this. Listen to this. I learned this from a Presbyterian pastor. So the question <laughs> was, how many churches are represented? And we're throwing numbers out there like 400, right. you know, 300 and one. We're one church. You're right. 
We're one Look church with. See, you psyched me out. See, see. see that's what I'm saying. And, and it psyched me out because yeah, here I am from a Presbyterian pastor right. who's speaking into us, who I'm thinking, oh, wait, there's Assemblies Synod- of God, there's Baptists, there's Independents, <laughs> right. there's Methodists, right. there's Catholics, there's yeah. non-denominational. And I'm going through the list thinking, oh, my, my there's hundreds of churches on it. And he goes, no, it's there's right. one church right. in Jesus Christ right. with multiple expressions, right. but one church. Yeah. And so, you know, the thing that we have to learn to do is a scripture that keeps coming to me is Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse 2 where the Apostle Paul says, carry each other's burdens and in doing this you will fulfill the law of Christ. And what I have learned is that it is my obligation Mm -hmm. to help carry people's burdens. It's not my right to tell them where they're burdened at. Yes. So that's, that's what too. I think we want to do. We want to tell people that doesn't hurt you. How 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 does that hurt you? You know, right. I've used the illustration. You heard me say, like, I, if I yeah. step on my, my wife, wife yep. uh, my wife goes, ouch, that hurts me. I don't get the opportunity to say, that doesn't hurt you. I only weigh 150 pounds, <laughs> right. 160 pounds. Right, that right. can't hurt you. No, it did hurt her. And right. so um, I think the church has an opportunity right now to really reflect the culture, right. how people that are red, brown, yellow, black, and white can all oh, yeah. under you know the cross of Jesus Christ yep. really reflect how we should treat one another, how we should learn, how we should respect, how we should help one another carry the burdens, and so that's where we need to go. Yeah, I think that would be probably one of the best starting points is actually understanding. Um, I was just reading the other day, and um, like so, you read first, second, third John. Yeah. Uh, so I've read them. Yep. But the other day I was like reading them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. a different. So then I read Jude. Okay. So Jude is like a really easy. I yeah. think I've. You're reading all the postcard books. I, they're all short. But you, they're very short. But I'm going <laughs> to tell you what. But powerful. Jude was so powerful and really discussing on how he addressed the church. Mm. Hey, I know you guys are doing good. I know you're doing good. But. But. Don't allow false prophet do not allow these type of things to come in and mix and mingle yeah. amongst what god is trying to create and so when i started reading just those small little passages i was like okay these are small but i think i overlooked them because they were small yeah i don't know if i really looked at the impact of what god was really saying yeah. in those uh in those scriptures and i think that that's what we just have to do here is that we just can't allow that false heresy type of preaching which is we over here. That's right. Y'all over there. You know, right. Excuse my English, but it's like no, we I got, here, yeah, that's y'all right. there. And right. we have to really, we have to really, uh, and I'm not talking about getting on Facebook, and, and and I wish we wouldn't do that as Christians, is use the... Uh, I think we'd so, be, I think we should be more careful. Way more careful yes. of using social, social media is not the landing zone for us to dispute or even to talk about one another. Right. Because the Bible clearly says that if you have anything against your brother, that you should go to him. So if it's TD Jakes and you can't find, and you have a problem with him and you can't get to him, then keep your mouth shut. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. if if we can really kind of stay on that line, we can really help ourselves. But, um, yeah, but just getting back to just, uh, being able to move forward and Mm -hmm. our impact in the world, all of that was great. Now, here it just says, what are we planning to do as a church to mm-hmm. promote unity amongst other church leaders? Which we kind of, ex- you already said that already, with, uh, yep. with, with uh, meeting with the other uh, church uh, leaders mm-hmm. on, a, on a conference call. But uh, what other things Yeah, right. Do you so um, now we're part of the Assemblies of God. Yes. So that's our fellowship. So um, we actually did a Think Lab. 
okay. um, probably two weeks ago. And we were at Brighton Assembly of God. We probably had 150 ministers from our fellowship from the entire state of Michigan. So some of them come from Petoskey or the West Side. And we had a panel discussion um, about racism. And um, I had the opportunity to be able to address all of them. See, I actually had an email. I I, I don't know if I want to say it, but I actually had an email from somebody that said, um, uh, Pastor, why do we talk about racism? Racism wasn't in the Bible. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you, I, I mean, seriously, I'm like reading it and I'm thinking to myself, racism's not in the Bible. Okay, so the church is born in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Right. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 6, so we're four chapters into the new birth of the church and we already experience racism. And right. people are saying, well, what is the racism? Well, remember that a problem arose where the Greek widows were being overlooked in the food distribution so food was being you know distributed and the greek widows were being overlooked by the hebrew jews who were distributing the food so there's racism that's ending up happening there and i've told the ministers on that day if they would have had social media they would have said hashtag greek lives Lives matter matter. and so they would have done that and it's very important to see how the early church addressed racism. And right. when that arose, if you notice quickly, they encompassed um, a calling of the whole church together. They took it serious. Right. They didn't sweep it under the carpet. And that's what a lot of people want to do right now is right. like, um, when will this go away? It's not. It's never going away. That's what I'm saying. So, so they called everybody together when they did that. When they came together, I have my Bible in Acts chapter 6, but when they came together, uh, the early church showed solidarity. Right. And what I mean by that is the Greeks and the Hebrews talked to one another. And I've often said if blacks and whites don't talk to each other, we'll never solve this. It takes Never. both of us to do this. Yeah, I, that's one of the biggest things. Go ahead. I'm, I wasn't cutting. No, no, no. So, no. Go ahead. But I, I was saying that, and then here's where they moved to. So, what I saw was, so they said this was where they started appointing deacons. So they said, choose for yourself mm-hmm. seven people and uh, have them be in charge of it. So that's kind of what they did. The apostles said, we need to pray. We need to study God's word. Mm-hmm. We can't handle food distribution, so choose you seven men. But here's the deal. If you read Acts chapter 6, the men that they choose, when you read their name, they're all Greek names. So what they did was the early church brought not diversity but inclusion, and right. they allowed the Greeks now to handle the food distribution. And so that's where I think the church is missing it. So this is what I've learned. I've talked to some um, African-American members of our church family and have learned that um, Brightmore, like one, would say this. This He sat right where you're at, actually, when we we (laughs) met. And he said, Pastor, when it comes to Brightmore and diversity, on a scale of one to five, five being the best, Brightmore's a five. Like, we're a five. How can, You can't get any better in diversity on Sunday morning. But where are we on the inclusion? 
Where are we on having them in the decision-making process? And we've recognized that we've made efforts. So African-Americans have been elected to our deacon board, which we have been deliberately in that. Dr. Impanza, uh, Reggie Hill, uh, LaRue Davis. So we have made sure that they're represented. Our men's ministry director, um, Otis Sammons, is African-American. So you're on the team. That's right. It's the best (laughs) men's team. Uh, We just hired Pastor Eric and a diamond. Yes. And, you know, African-American. American yes. and you know part of the team yes. uh, to be here in that, um, but I've recognized that even in Brightmore we have to do better at the inclusion piece, yes. having them at the table, helping them make us the make the right decisions with us and making decisions yeah. and things like that. I, I shouldn't say right decisions, helping us make, make decisions. decisions. Yeah, and I think that, that that is really uh, uh, impactful and powerful is that uh, being able to actually even see that yes, we're very diverse over here, right. But where is our diversity and our inclusion over here? Yes. Um, uh, when I was talking to my brother, um, that's what we were talking about. Literally, he was like, um, his pastor, he was just saying that basically that's what they were expect- talking about, which is, okay, so we have it all over here. Right. But what do we do to include right. more here? To Correct. sit at the table, to help us make decisions, to, yes. to help our minds wrap around how we should actually drive the force of the culture so that it fits and reflects on what people see. Because right. if you walk into our church, I mean, you're going to be like blown away. Correct. Um, but then you wanted to make sure that when I sit in my seat, Mm-hmm. that I also see a reflection everywhere else. That's correct. Uh, so I do like from, from the platform to the pastors, to the, to pastor, the pastoral team, to yeah, the deacon so, board yeah, and all so of that you, stuff. I agree you with see you. see that it's uh, and not just and and everybody is watching like this is not just a black and white thing. We're talking about including minorities of any. Correct. So if you're all black church and you your minority set base is whites, Latino, Figure out how to include them, figure out how to include them, figure yes. out how to put together a plan so that you can tap into the areas of which where they live. Mm. Uh, I like one thing that we do. Well, mm. actually, I like several. But one thing that we do do is we we go in the city. Yes. Um, on the weekends yep. to feed the homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fixing up parks. We're fixing up homes. And I think that that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do uh, when you say that you are an. Uh, a a non-racist or an anti-racism church is that you don't go cater to people or like God said, Hey, if the wealthy comes in, Mm. you know, don't sit this guy in the front. Right. And then someone poor comes in and you sit him in the back. It's it's very important uh, that we actually are spreading ourselves across and not just making it a, uh, and this is what I do like it, that we don't make Detroit as the, Oh, we Mm. check Mark that we did this for the city. no, what we're trying to do is we're trying to actually include and let people understand that the body of Christ is made up of everybody. Yep. And we're supposed to help everybody. Right. Right. If you're successful, mm-hmm. if your church is thriving, mm-hmm. if you have funds available that can do. Right. We should be doing for the least of those. That's right. And, <laughs> you know, when we go to Detroit, it's not like I don't want people to feel like it's this urban, suburban. Right. You know, us, them. No. So what we do, Quentin, you know, um, is we actually partner with yep. Detroit churches. churches so yes. we don't go do any work really in right. downtown Detroit that we're not partnering with a local, local church, church in that area. Yes. And I in particularly, that. our name is Brightmore Church, Brightmore Christian Church. Right. And if 
people are familiar, if, or if they're not familiar with this podcast and they're watching it, Brightmore is a district of Detroit, Detroit. Michigan, yeah. where our church started back in 1926. So we feel a calling to make sure yes. that the light of the gospel doesn't go out in the area that our church started in yes, and yes, yes. has moved out here and things like that. But so, you know, we want to partner with uh, churches that way or on the south side of Detroit Courage Church and things like that. Oh, so yeah, that so that we courage, leave yeah. so that we leave um a light there for those people in that area to be able to come back to. So yeah. that's what we that's, that's what we love to do. Listen, that's uh, Hey, listen. And, uh, and our church even like even during this pandemic, we knew that urban churches m- might suffer more financially than us. And so my friend Chris Brooks over at Woodside, mm-hmm. um, they have um, a foundation where they make uh, grants available to urban churches that have been hurt by COVID-19. Yeah. So we sent thousands of dollars over to that fund. That's, so that's we didn't cool. want to reinvent the wheel. Okay. No. Like let us do it all. They already have something in place right now. Yes. And so we sent thousands of dollars yes. over there yes. so that urban churches right now in Detroit that might through this pandemic yes. be suffering financially, yes. they can apply for free grant out yeah. of Woodside Bible church that's, right now. That and is, so that's, that to me makes the that's, difference. That's makes the you difference. know, that's what's making a difference. And I think that God smiles mm-hmm. on our ability to gain and to give back. Like yes, He, he smiles. On, I, I remember having a friend tell me about uh, they went over to Africa and so mm. they were distraught. They're not. They weren't Christians, and they were like, "I'm gonna never be saved because I can't believe God would allow Africa to suffer the way that they mm. do." And so I had to explain to her very softly that. The America and the U.S. is rich for a reason. Mm-hmm. And what we have to understand is that there's always going to be someone that has something. Mm. In God's kingdom, someone is going to always have right. more than someone else. Right. Because in God's kingdom, when I give you more, I expect more. Mm. I expect you to give more. Mm. Like I expect you to be a conduit, a, a conduit of giving. So if I give you millions and millions and millions, I expect you to give out millions and millions and millions, not to be broke. Mm. But I do want you to care for those who can't because that's right. how we God loves balance. God is all about that's how we balance out yeah. this world is that the poor should be taken care of yeah. for people who have. I mean, even in the Old Testament, when he says, listen, when you glean your fields, leave the corners, corners. for yes. the, the poor and the traveler. You know, the guy that's traveling through your this, country needs some food. So leave it that way. And, you know, we we definitely want to make sure that we're trying to do our part to help out. Um, and, and that to me makes a difference, too, as well. Yeah. Okay. So our last one, because I know that oh, you know, it's already coming to an end. Oh, <laughs> Man, I'm just like this I know is like, this is. Really I'm like so disappointed. <laughs> okay. But I really wanted to, to make sure that before we got off that we yeah 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 uh, just really just talked about um um uh, the pandemic. Yes. And then you know, uh, okay. So we're, we're thriving, right? We're moving and shaking, and the church is moving and shaking. I mean, we were here, and then all of a sudden, this pandemic hit. Like, just take us through that first initial hit, and then what did we do as a ministry uh, to prepare? Uh, because some, you know, we're still in this pandemic situation, and yeah. I just feel like some people may still need to know 
on how to continue to adjust now that people are now coming back to ministry. So just kind of share what, you know, uh, Brighton did. Crazy. I mean, I've been through Bible college and seminary, and no one ever told me I was going to pastor through a pandemic where you couldn't have people on your campus. (laughs) Right. You know, and we love the phrase, the building was closed, but the church Church. wasn't. Right. You know, a lot of people have said that, and that is so true. I just love seeing um, on social media some of my friends with food distributions and ministry, and, you know, this last weekend, Serve Day, where we joined thousands of churches around the country that that went out, and, you know, we're we're still serving. The church is not closed, but... Um, definitely we were grateful that we had built an online platform prior to this so that we were able Able to be able to minister. Um, the sad thing is that the church is about contact. I mean, koinonia. Um, I remember when we built the new addition, the new sanctuary, um, we did a time capsule to be opened 50 years from now. And we wrote a letter to, you were here, we wrote a letter to um, the, the Brightmore Church 50 years from now. We took the Hebrews 11 scripture. Um, Abel offered a more noble sacrifice, and though he's dead, he still speaks today. And though most of us won't be around 50 years from now, um, we still wanted to speak to the church. Um, and we encouraged them that we are moving more and more in an isolated culture. Right. It's not just like drive in and close your garage door, but now churches are online. They right. can ha- and what we miss is the dynamic. The the writer of Hebrews knew it prophetically when he said, "Don't forsake the assembling Simply of the God. brothers yeah. together." Yeah. And I feel like that that's a part that we had missed, and yeah. we're missing that corporate worship. I mean, I just love being in a room with you again. Know. You know what I'm saying? Just to say, "Hey, how are you and Melissa?" Remember we ran into you at the yeah, restaurant, restaurant, and we're like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And, that's like, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it's difficult because it's just. As a shepherd, it breaks your heart that you can't minister to the people that in the way that you want to. Right. People have lost their lives. Yes. They've lost friends, family yeah. members. Um, I mean, when a, when a lady calls you and their mother goes into the hospital and no one can go visit them. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's just tough. heart-wrenching. And yeah. so um, it's been, you know, a very difficult time for us in the church, but I'm proud of us finding creative ways to still maintain contact and yeah. still talking to one another and still trying to help each other and be there for each yeah. other. I see we're heavy on Zoom. Yes. Like our Zoom, our Zoom is, yeah. we're killing it on Zoom. It's just like everybody just Zoom and Zoom, 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 Zoom. That was probably one of the best platforms. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish I would have invented it. Oh, I know, right? It's literally just sitting there lingering, and then all of a sudden this happens, and then a platform like Zoom just becomes so yeah. useful. Uh, this, But I feel just as a member, and I think that uh, the church did a fantastic job with the the whole pandemic and then being able to keep us addressed yeah. continue to address situations i like the video that you and pastor tim do mm-hmm. uh before every service but that just kind of keeps us informed right um, and i was just sharing even like with one of my friends that um that are that you're very intentional on being trying to be ahead of the curve so that's yeah. kind of like what i picked up uh, right uh, not even from spending time with you but just kind of just watching you and the way mm-hmm. that you operate is that you kind of like to stay ahead of the curve mm. Um, and so uh, uh, I definitely thank you for, yeah, you know, thank you. Uh, definitely staying ahead of the curve. Uh, your preaching still been phenomenal online, even though I try my best. No it's one a, was it, there. Listen, it's a little different. <laughs> you know, I'm an enthusiastic kind of preacher. You know, I want to uh, I tell humorous stories somehow. Yes. And you're sitting in a room with 2000 empty chairs and you're like, OK, was that funny? You know, I don't know. I can't hear anybody yeah. laughing. So my son could not believe that you were still funny. He was like. 
dad, there's like no one there, and he's still cracking good jokes. I yeah, was like, good, good. I say he's. Hey, just, listen, if your 16 year old son can think I'm funny, <laughs> then I'm gonna take that as a yes, high compliment. Yes, so he literally for me. sat there just every Sunday. He was like, I can't believe he can. I think it was your energy. Yeah. So he's so laid back. Mm. And so I think mm-hmm. that. Uh, and, and this podcast is all about grooming the young. And so, yeah. and I brought this story up because my son is watching not only me, but anyone who God puts in front of him for to ma- help mature him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm always, you know, I'm hard on men. I think that, you know, it's our fault. You know, mm. whatever you tell me, I say it's our fault because mm. God gave us the authority. Mm. He True. left authority with men. That's, yep. And I'm not saying that women don't play a large, and I'm talking about a large, mm-hmm. very important role, mm-hmm. but the authority was mm-hmm. left with Correct. men to create an atmosphere for, for us to dwell in yes. in harmony with each other and with God. So uh, I always say it's our fault. So I do thank you also on that. My son is able to watch and uh, and, and, and watch watching you on that. I think he was like, so you can really talk anywhere. I think that that kind of. Yeah, right. Like. Oh, I got you cannot you can speak in front of a crowd, but you have to still have the same energy. Right. You know, and I just had to tell my son that's passion for the love of God. Yeah. Because you can do it maybe two or three Sundays, but three We were months, down for sixteen. That's what I'm saying. You can't you can't create that every right. week. And, and then <laughs> Wednesday nights. And Wednesday nights. And then devotionals. I know. You yeah. know, so it so, was it anyway. was it was great, but listen, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I do appreciate. Oh, no, li- hey, I want to come back. Yes, listen, and I want to come back when you and Melissa do a couples thing. Like I could get Kim. Oh, don't potential- tell me that. Oh yeah, I- no, 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 no. Because I think that I'll you're right. I mean, I know I don't want to get sidetracked, but I know that you, you know, hit on the authority thing and stuff like that. And I'm always like, uh, you know, telling, especially in premarital counseling and all that, that yeah. you know. Uh, men and women are equal in God's sight. Right. We've just been called to different roles. We have and there's been. a different role for a husband and there's a yes. different role for a wife. And it's spelled out biblically. Yes. And, you know, it's it's the right way. It's the, you know. It's the only so, way. Right. And so, <laughs> I mean, we have things to be able to do. And you know what? I'm coming up uh, July 21st. We'll celebrate 30 years of marriage. 15 of those years have been here. And I just now That's feel nice. pretty confident to talk about marriage and parenting. Now that I got one daughter married and another son that's yes. second year at university, yeah. um, I feel like now I can kind of talk <laughs> a little bit about parenting because, you know, for a while there I was like, Lord, no, I you know, know, I can't, you know. Because you really don't know. Yeah, uh, you don't. You, you don't know. Um, I'm, uh, me and Melissa uh, on the July 25th, we have 22 years. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, and so I'm, and I think that exact same way. I feel like I have something to offer, but I yes. feel like, my son is now 16. When I get him to college, I can offer more mm-hmm. because I get a different dynamic. So, and I'm always, now I have your, uh, your phone number. I'm going to yeah. text you. I always like to, I like to hear information to be better. Yeah. I like staying ahead of the curve. Yes. So you might get a text from me because my son now is driving. He's going into junior year, yep. then senior year there. Yep. And I like to, to go with men who have actually been successful mm. yep. with raising sons. And yep. when I say successful, I mean that your son loves God. That's right. All the other stuff is nothing. How do you get your son to love God yes. all the way through? And so I'm going to pick your brain on that. We, and the thing is that we may even have a, maybe we'll come back and do an episode on that. And then you can kind of share yeah. uh, how you were able to guide. Because Harrison is just a boy. Like, yeah. He's still a kid. Like, yeah. the work was on your end. 
Right. He's still a kid, so you had to do stuff and go to exactly. God. Oh, yes. And I want you to just kind of teach us young guys uh, how to actually prepare ourselves for ourselves to get ready to go to college. So maybe that'll be our next podcast. Yeah, I love it. Just a preparation to college yeah. type of talking. Yes. Take us through those last two years of Harrison's life and what you and you got some really good stories. I'm not gonna give them away, but there's some things that I like that you do with the letters and all that stuff, the writing. Yep. So don't say save it. I won't say it. I'll, say I'll it. save it. But uh, I'll but I, I do want him to tell you guys how he's created mm. uh, this love language with his kids. Uh, that's phenomenal. That I really like. So hey, what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to share this podcast. Hey, everybody at Brightmore, I know you guys have heard Pastor Jamie a thousand times, but you have not heard him. Talk about these two topics, which is racism and the pandemic that we've just went through. I want you guys to share with everybody. Um, definitely leave any comments you want to in the bottom of the section, and we'll make sure we get back with you. And this has been a great episode. Thank you, again. thank Pastor you for Jamie. inviting me. And I'm out of here. Peace out. Peace out.